Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Last week, we started our new sermon series called Emerge, which we've described as the journey of becoming visible again. Over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at how we deal with all the vulnerabilities that come as we emerge out of three lockdowns and a very tough year. Simon said we all need to take time to process what we've been through, what's happened to us during the past 12 months, and we need to prepare for the future. If you haven't caught up with that talk yet, then I really would encourage you to go back and have a listen or a watch on our YouTube channel uh, because it sets a really good foundation and there's lots of things for us to think about. So today I'm going to be talking about doing some of the processing. I'm going to be talking about grief and loss and how we deal with that and what's happened to us. You might be thinking, oh great, this is going to be a depressing talk. and I really hope it isn't going to be, but I do think it's something important that we all need to look at. You may not think about loss on a regular basis, and let's face it, who would want to? It's not a very attractive subject, but it is a very normal part of our lives and something that I think we need to get better at, as I've said, being able to talk about it and deal with it in a healthy way. Because if you can't feel your own losses, then you won't be able to feel the sadness of others. Henry Nguyen was a highly respected Dutch Catholic priest, a professor, a writer and a theologian. And he said this, the degree to which we grieve our losses is the degree to which we are compassionate people. The preacher Jonathan Edwards said in his famous sermon on the book of Job in the Bible, he said that the story of Job is the story of us all, that life is a series of losses and none of us can escape that fact. But Job lost everything in one day. He lost um, his 10 children. They die suddenly. He lost his wealth and he was one of the most wealthy men in the land. And he loses his health to such an extent that he was unrecognisable to his friends. Now, that scale of loss that Job had is rare, thank goodness. But most of us experience our losses over our lifetime. We lose our youthfulness. Uh, no, no amount of dieting and healthy eating and uh, cosmetic surgery can actually stop the process of growing older. We lose dreams, you know, things that don't happen the way we want them to. In fact, we experience loss in all the transitions of our lives. We move house and relationships change. We change jobs and we lose some of the security that we once knew. If we have children, then they grow up and we lose the proximity of that relationship when they move house, move out of our house. Most of us, in some moment of our lives, suffer some catastrophic loss where a loved one uh, or a friend dies suddenly and unexpectedly. Or relationships go wrong, a spouse has an affair, or maybe you're left single again after a painful divorce or a breakup. Or a loyal friend betrays us. We experience infertility and miscarriage and mental health issues, broken friendships, maybe abuse in our childhoods. We may find ourselves diagnosed with an illness. We might find ourselves out of a job after working for a company for 25 years. 
So there are losses that we go through throughout our whole lives. However, this past season, living through a global pandemic has, has, um, has brought us a huge amount of loss in a very concentrated period of time and losses that we didn't really expect or imagine would happen to us. So as we emerge, it's vital that we pay attention to these losses and what we've been through and not just move on too quickly in the excitement of coming out of lockdown. Because if we don't, the effects on our mental well-being will be very real. Our losses will affect our behaviour and our health. So what are some of the losses that we've experienced individually or corporately? Well, I think loss of freedom is obviously a very big one. Uh, that decision to be able to make decisions for our, that, sorry, that ability to make decisions for ourselves. You know, I want to go and have a coffee with my friends, so I'll do it. I want to go and visit my family. I want to book a holiday. Who would have ever thought that we'd be in a position where that ability to make that decision, that freedom was taken away from us? And some people have had losses that have really cost them financially. And you might be one of those people. You might not have earned as much, you might have been furloughed and your wages have been cut. You may have lost your job or your house. You may, like, you may now feel like everything that you've worked for is worthless. You may have lost a loved one through COVID or something else during the pandemic and not being able to go and see them or go to their funeral and grieve properly. And we've experienced that in our own church with the loss of Pauline last September when she died of cancer. There's been a tremendous loss through not being able to see our family and friends. And for me particularly, that has cut really deep and it's overwhelmed me at times when I haven't seen my children and grandchildren. And I would find myself crying, sometimes sobbing, in a real um, feeling of despair. Children have missed seeing their friends and just being able to play together. Our young people have lost precious time hanging out with each other and learning how to do teenage life together, learning how to grow up. They've lost rites of passage like end of year parties and exam celebrations and transitions and graduations. And our young people here at Riverside have lost opportunities to go to Christian festivals and have time here in church. And those festivals often have spiritual encounters that shape their future. And as a parent, you may really feel that loss for your son or daughter and long for those influences that haven't been there for them over the last year. We've all been through loss due to lack of human contact. Not being able to hug our friends, and I know for some people you've enjoyed that because you're not huggers and that's fine, but for the majority of us, it's been a real loss and it's made us feel very disconnected not to have that natural physical touch with our friends and family. And some people have suffered tremendous loneliness through the pandemic. People who live on their own or are shielding, it's been really crippling for them and as a church when we visited people with pantry project and given them a delivery sometimes we were the only people that they'd seen that week or even had a conversation with so there's been tremendous loss as people have gone through this time on their own there were holidays that we didn't go on dreams that we had for 2020 that have been shattered weddings and big parties that were cancelled and as a church family, we've experienced the loss of not being able to gather together to worship and pray and the loss of not just being able to be family together and be community has been really significant for all of us. 
For those of us who work here at Riverside, it's been a massive loss not having people in the building and missing that buzz that is normally created with the cafe open and, and the rooms being hired. And our small groups have suffered loss. Yes, they've carried on and been amazing and done things over Zoom, but that's never going to be a replacement for being in the same room as your friends, being able to pray for one another. Essentially, the virus has stolen a whole year of our lives and it's left damage in its wake. And all of these losses are really significant for us. As we merge into our new lives, we must pay attention to them in order to stay vital and healthy and learn and grow as people. I'm not sure we always know how to deal with sadness as Christians. And I think sometimes we just believe that we need to be happy. So we present our best selves all the time. I mean, how many of us minimise something that's happened to us and we've had a loss or a disappointment and someone asks us, how are you doing? And we're like, oh, I'm OK, I'm fine. You know, God's working it all through for the best and, you know, I'm fine. We sometimes feel guilty for not obeying the scripture to rejoice in the Lord always. By the way, it's really important not to take verses in the Bible out of context and then use them as a mantra for our lives because that's not what that verse means. God does not say we need to be happy all of the time. And yet so often I think we act like we do, especially in church. We so often today in the church associate anger and sadness and grieving with being a bit unspiritual, like we're not really, you know, walking with Jesus how we should. And we're convinced that we're almost going backwards if we're not living this victorious life. So we shut down and we paint a happy smile on our face. Like I said, especially when we come to church and we're with other Christians. But that's not how God made us. God has designed us to grieve and experience loss and pain. It's a healthy God-given process for all of life's losses. And the Bible is actually very clear about our need to grieve. So let's have a look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Ecclesiastes reminds us that there is a season for everything in our lives and all of them are okay. And it says there's a time to weep and a time to mourn and a time to tear. Notice it says there is a time, not maybe there'll be a time, but there is a time. Now, you might have heard of the word lament, and that's an expression of grief, suffering or sadness. And two thirds of the Psalms that we read in our Bibles are laments. David, who wrote a lot of the Psalms, is very free in his expression. He shouts at God. He rages at God. He prays wild prayers. He tells God exactly what he feels. And this is the one prayer book and kind of worship manual in all of Scripture. So we do need to pay attention to it. 
David wrote poetry after the death of Saul and his best friend Jonathan, and he commanded his army to sing a lament to God. We have an entire Old Testament book called Lamentations. We know that Ezekiel lamented and that Daniel grieved. Jesus wept over Lazarus when he died and he cried out in grief over Jerusalem. And he also expressed, angu expressed anguish to his father on the cross. And he quoted Psalm 22 saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So biblical grieving calls us to pour out our feelings and our losses to God. And it gives us so many examples, so it's okay. So why is it, if we've got all these examples, we so often just brush our losses to one side and get on with life? Maybe it's that British stiff upper lip. lip. Can't say the word lip. Grief and mourning are crucial to our well-being and our health because they acknowledge the reality of what's happened to us, that we've suffered deep and significant loss. And it's a very necessary journey for us all to explore. Pete Scazzaro says in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, the true spiritual life is not an escape from reality, but an absolute commitment to it. Loss marks the place where self-knowledge and powerful transformation happen if we have the courage to participate fully in the grieving process. So my question for all of us today, myself included, is do we have the courage to fully participate in the grieving process to deal with all that we've gone through during the COVID pandemic? The trouble is if we don't acknowledge that, if we don't say that we've got pain because of loss and start to look at it with God, then we develop other ways to deal with it, to numb ourselves, to avoid having to face it. So we tend to do a number of things with our losses. We ignore them. We deny having any losses. I wasn't really affected by anything. I'm okay. I don't feel like I've had any losses. We might minimise them and say, that wasn't such a big deal. I'm okay. I'm strong. Honestly, I'm okay. Or we intellectualise them and rationalise them away. Well, it was a pandemic and obviously everybody suffered. And, you know, those people over there, they've had real loss. And I don't feel like I've had as much loss as them. So it's, it's OK. I'll be fine. It's said that our ungrieved losses accumulate like little stones in our heart, weighing us down. And it's also said that unpressed, unprocessed emotions don't die, they just get buried alive. And I think those two analogies are really powerful for us to think about. We simply can't ignore our emotions that we don't like and push them down and hope that they go away. Because they will find a way to get out. That's how we work as humans. You know, we might have panic attacks, high blood pressure, anxiety... We might be sarcastic, defensive, angry with people, quick to judge. You know, our emotions will affect our relationships. We spill out to those around us. And we can end up self-medicating, like I said, with our losses, with things that over time can become addictions and really unhealthy habits in our life. Things that we can't break, like drinking too much alcohol, endless hours of TV, pornography, binge eating, binge shopping online, busyness, unhealthy relational attachments, even serving others incessantly can become an addiction and something that takes our mind off ourselves and distracts us. 
And I think we'd all agree that none of those things are actually healthy ways to deal with loss. And yet I'm sure if we're all honest, we can say that we have done them in our lives and probably we've done them a lot over the past year, especially. I know that I've switched the TV on far too much to kind of switch off from the world and just watch something and just, you know, forget about my own loss or my own pain to be numbed. And the thing is that these methods do temporarily numb us, so they give us that full sense of security that we're okay. But they don't heal the hurt, and actually they end up creating much more pain for us down the line. So the good news is there is a better way to deal with things, and that's God's way. So let's have a look at what we can do. First of all, we need to acknowledge the pain and the grief. So stop to think about the way that you have felt loss, especially over the last year. Some people may be very aware of what they're feeling, but some people might not, and they might need to take some time to stop and pause. So take stock of the last year and what has happened to you. Maybe sit down with a journal and, and write down the losses that come to mind, things that you might not have even thought about. I think when you write things down, they become more real and it adds a kind of intentionality to what we're doing. I did this last week and there were 14 losses that I knew straight away that I need to process with God. They may be small losses to you, they might be huge. It doesn't matter, they're all losses. So accept the pain and the sadness of these losses that you may still be feeling. And then we can begin to process the pain with God. So once you've made a list of the losses or on your phone or a piece of paper, pause and reflect on each one in God's presence. Tell God how you feel. Lament, cry, mourn, ask him why, shout at him, tell him you're angry if you need to. Maybe you want to go for a walk with him. If that's how you connect with God, then do whatever it takes to really be able to connect with God over your losses. Bring him right into your pain and frustration. We don't need to hide our feelings from God. In fact, he loves it when we're real. And bear in mind, he already knows all of our feelings, but he wants us to engage with him. You could read and sing and pray the Psalms out loud. It's said that there is a Psalm for every sigh. So go through them and find one that really resonates with what you're feeling, because then those Psalms can become your words when you don't know what to say. The wonderful thing is when we grieve, if we know Jesus, we can do so with hope and assurance. I can't imagine going through pain and loss without Jesus. I've spoken many times about the losses that I felt when God called Simon and I to Whitstable five and a half years ago. Yes, there was excitement and of course we knew it was God and there was prophecies and all of that, but actually there was tremendous loss for us and it was really important that I particularly uh, dealt with them with God rather than just come and land here with all of my pain and frustration. And I would cry and, you know, really have to grieve the things that we were losing, like from the city we'd always lived in. We were moving far away. We were leaving our friends and our family, our jobs, our security, everything we knew. So I really had to grieve. No one had died, but it was grieving. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the Christian spirit. And I can testify that that is really true. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. What an amazing promise. 
To some extent, we're all weary and heavy burdened with loss from the past year. And the promise to all of us is that Jesus will be with us in it. If we come to him and give it to him, he gives us hope and he takes away our sadness and pain and gives our souls rest and peace. And that's a great exchange in my book. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And wonderfully, we have the promise of a future with no pain and no sorrow. In Revelation chapter 21, verse four, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Amen. So once we've poured out our pain and trusted God and connected with him, we can move on to the next stage, which is waiting in his presence. Wait on the Lord. Give him time. Let him heal your broken heart. It says in Isaiah chapter 40 that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Psalm 37 verse 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So let's practice that. Let's be patient in this process and just sit and be. Put worship music on if that helps, but just be still and quiet in your soul so that you can be healed. And you can do that by going for a walk if that's what suits you as well. But it's about quieting our soul to let God come and heal us. Let's engage with God so we can receive that exchange of his amazing life for our pain and his living waters for our dry and parched souls. Jesus left us the Holy Spirit and said that he would be our comforter. So we need to trust him to do his job. We need to let him comfort us and not shut him out. We need to welcome him in. And as you wait, ask him to refresh you and heal you to let go of all the stuff that's gone on and come and fill you. You might want to use some symbolism that will help you in this process. We've talked before, haven't we, about turning our hands down when we're giving stuff to God, when we're processing stuff that's happened to us, stuff that we want to repent of, and then maybe turn your hands upwards when you want to receive that new life, that blessing, that healing from God. That's just something that might work for you. Psalm 23 is always my go-to scripture to help bring me peace and healing when I'm going through some tough stuff. And it's one I've used over the years in many forms. I've been healed and restored through this psalm, through reading it, singing it, using it on meditation apps. So I just want to remind us today of what Psalm 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the message translation is beautiful too. So I want to read that. Maybe you want to close your eyes as you're listening to this and just let the words really minister to you. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have bedded me down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through the death valley, I'm not afraid when you walk at my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. 
You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Those words are so comforting and they give us the validation and the expression for all of our losses with the promise of coming to our Father, not only to be comforted, but to be blessed abundantly and loved beyond what we could ask or imagine. So if you don't know where to start, then this is a really good place and say it out loud until you really believe those words. And I would say, remember that grieving is not just a moment in time. It is a process and nothing is right or wrong. It's your journey. Grieving takes time. So, you know, allow yourself as much time as you need to. Don't hurry through it. Although there are lots of things that we can do to help us with the grieving process, I've never seen two people grieve in the same way about anything. It really is a unique experience for each person. So as a church family, as we decide to do this together, let's be patient with one another. Let's be attentive and kind. We're all going to be at different stages in this and that's okay. And I would also say, talk to some trusted friends. Can I specially encourage men who, I know this is um, like a statement that a bit of a blanket statement, but I don't think men do this as naturally as women. So men, don't be brave and strong. It's okay to say, I'm actually not okay. So find a good friend and say, I'm struggling with this aspect of the last year. I'm struggling with this loss and this is how I feel. You might want a friend to pray with you. You just might want them to listen. And all of us can be ready in that moment to be a good friend to someone else. And if you ask someone how they are and they say they're okay, maybe just ask them again, are you really okay? Because studies have shown, especially amongst men, that this second question can really lead to a more honest answer and an honest conversation. And if someone shares with you, just listen. Just hear them out and just be there for them because often people just want to, to tell you how they're feeling. You may sympathise with them. You may have been through a very similar thing and you'll be able to comfort out of what you've been through. But offer to pray for them. Invite the Holy Spirit into that situation. That's such a powerful tool that we have. And often that will unlock a person's heart, just you standing in the gap for them and, and being there to pray and welcome the Holy Spirit into that situation. And then tell them they can talk to you again. Say, you know, come back to me. This isn't over just in this one conversation. And check in with them regularly and see how they're doing. And then lastly, we can ask God to enlarge our hearts with compassion for other people. Loss doesn't have to be a negative force in our lives. It can transform us and change us. And we can learn about the pain of others by going through our own pain. So however painful sorrow is, it's good for us. And I believe that our hearts can really grow larger by embracing pain and loss. Let's not just try to go back to how life used to be, because life has forever changed because of what we've been through. And if we can grieve our losses and if we can invite God into them, then I honestly believe we can be a better people and we can be ready for something new. We can be more compassionate people, people who understand loss, people who can stand with others when they're hurting. And we can lead them into the loving arms of Jesus Christ because we know what that feels like, because we've been there ourselves. Out of the comfort we've received, we can then comfort others. 
2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 in the message says, and I love this, all praise to the God and Father of our Master Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. So let's make a commitment as a church community to grieve well in this season. Let's rally round each other as we go on this journey to be there for one another. Be mindful of the various levels of grief that people are going to be going through. Listen to their stories. Pray for them. We don't want to be a church where we just come and we put on a smile and pretend that everything's okay. We want to be able to hurt when other people are hurt, when other people are hurting. Church should be a place for all of our emotions, not just the happy ones. So what have been your losses? Take time to reflect, to cry, to weep, lament, to deal with those emotions. Get prayer, invite God into the situation, into your disappointment and then allow him to heal you and to have that exchange with his beautiful life for our losses. If we can grasp this as a people in this time, what we've been through, then it will give us great tools for the rest of our life. Because like I said in the beginning, life is a series of losses. So let's learn how to deal with this real series of losses that we've gone through over the past year and be able to take those tools into the rest of our lives. Jesus felt loss and we will feel loss and that's okay. So let's give ourselves permission I want us to spend some time today, uh, maybe when the worship comes on after, after my talk, to come before God with open hearts, to just acknowledge that we have lost so much in the past year. And let's just create space to begin this journey. Maybe you want to use this time to acknowledge that you've maybe used some other mechanisms to numb your pain, things that aren't that healthy. They might have even become addictions that you're struggling with. Just bring them to God, just acknowledge them. Maybe say sorry and ask God to come and help you to have freedom in those areas. So let's today decide that we want to process with God and not without him. Let's pray together. Oh, come Holy Spirit, come now into all of our pain and disappointment from the past year. Help us to acknowledge ungodly methods we've used to medicate our pain. We confess those to you now and say, come Jesus and heal us afresh. We welcome you, Jesus, into our grief and loss. We ask you to come and bring healing to our losses, to refill our hearts when they are depleted. Help us, Father God, to move forward out of the past year and all that we've experienced with renewed hearts. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable then visit our website at riversideuk.org Also you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.